Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Good morning, everyone. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize takes a strategic approach to PR, planning your publicity needs in concert with your long-term growth and business objectives. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them that Claudia and Edgar sent you. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, text messages, meetings, or anything like that. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Muy buenos días. buenos días. ¿Cómo están todos? Feliz viernes. Welcome. How you doing? Buenos Happy días. Friday. Feliz viernes. Welcome to another edition of Latino Founder Hour. This is Edgar and Claudia. Viernes 16 de noviembre. noviembre. Edgar, se nos ha ido el año. Se nos fue otro año. 2018. Y, y con un montón de contactos. <laughs> Exacto. A pues lot of contacts. A lot of contacts. And today uh, in studio, we have uh, a good friend, Mara Cepeda. Welcome. How you doing, Mara? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for glad that you, you were able to join us. I know you have a super busy schedule, but uh, you know, super happy that you're here in so person. So glad to be here. And for you guys that don't know Mara, Mara's a rock star in the um, startup world, he, not only here in Portland, but in, in the U.S. I don't know about that. Uh, well, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank, thank you for coming, uh, coming over, Mara. And um, well, you know, first, you know, who's Mara? Who's yes, one? who's Mara? Yeah. Where's Woody? Mara from? Where's <laughs> Mara <laughs> from? That's such a good question. Um, that's such a good question. I've actually been thinking about that question quite a lot in these times, especially. Yeah. And thinking about the way that we all show up to serve one another. So I think all of us, when we're asking ourselves who we are, we're starting to ask the question of what am I in service mm -hmm. to? And who am I compelled to serve? Yeah. Uh, so right now, if I'm answering that question as Mata, answering those two questions, um, I feel that I'm very much in service to distributing power, to figuring out Ooh, I like that. how power can be distributed and shared. Yes. And in terms of who I'm in service to, I think it's everyone that hasn't traditionally had power. <laughs> Um, or, or a voice. Or a or voice, voice yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that, Mara. I, I like that, and especially with the times. So, yeah. Mar so much. Mara Cepeda. Uh, Cepeda, uh, that's a Latino? Yeah, so my father's from Honduras. Honduras. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was raised in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, but my father came to the States when he was 16 years old. He escaped oh the military there. And wow. came to Chicago, and then um, yeah, my parents met in New Mexico. So my mother is kind of East Coast Ashkenazi Jew, and my father is yeah first generation from Honduras. Oh wow! Honduras. So you have a, a, a quite a mix. Yes. That's yes. an understatement. <laughs> yes, and a, I mean a good cultural world yeah. at home. Very rich. And, and you grew yeah. up in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in the five hundred five. 
Yes. yes. Moved yeah. to the 503, Erica, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Two numbers away. Yeah, you know, growing up in New Mexico was very special, and I am about to go there on Monday again. Um, you know, for those people that don't know or have never been to New Mexico, they call it the land of enchantment, mm-hmm. and it is that. It's a, it's quite a magical, mystical place, very spiritual. And the there are three cultures that cohabitate there. You know, you have the Native American culture, you have the Spanish culture, and then you have, um, you know, the, the Caucasian culture, Anglo culture. And the three just have to, they commingle and they intersect. And so I grew up, you know, my history classes were about like the Pueblo revolt and Mm -hmm. that was the type of history that I was exposed to. And it's very special in the New Mexico public schools. They emphasize New Mexico history quite a lot. Okay. And so that means that you're getting a much deeper education around the heritage and history of that really special place. Mm -hmm. I've only been there once in Santa Fe. It was amazing over a long week. And we, you know, with friends, we rented a house on top of a hill. It was just beautiful. And like you said, the vibe was very artistic, super artsy. Uh, very granola crunchy, granola friendly, but it was amazing. You know, the the Saturday market was phenomenal. You know, full with artists, but very similar to Portland. But Portland, I don't think it has that enchantment. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, Portland's the city, and it's made by by these people. But Santa Fe, you can feel that energy. Mm, you felt it too. You 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 feel some 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 vibe that like it's not around here. What do you so, think is is around here? Uh, here is more the craft movement, mm-hmm. which which I love. I mean, I love people doing and and everything we do in Portland. It's fantastic because it's craft. Like we have good bread makers, mm-hmm. great coffee maker, like uh, great chefs, uh, great brewers. <laughs> I mean, we have just the best of the best in the nation. And we, you know, in our travels, we, we find that like, oh my god, we we'll go to New York, and I'm I'm taking a run to oh, you know, with, with friends that are like love food and like, and I feel myself underwhelmed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it was a great meal, but it was like nothing that I haven't had outside of our realms. And it, it happens when I go somewhere, uh, you know, we'll go back to Mexico, and I, I just like, I miss coffee. Yeah. Good coffee. Yes. Because we have coffee, but it's, I mean, you can, I mean, and there's nothing worse than having bad coffee in the morning because that ruins your day. Yeah, so true. It's so, true. But yeah, no, so so that was a different thing. Like, you, you felt this energy. And I'm not a you know huge believer in those things, but I'm like, huh? It's it was very relaxing. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know, like you said, mystical. Like it's something that you can't understand, or you, but but you can feel around you. Yes, yeah. There's quite an energy around it. Awesome! Wow, that's a very good description. It I was is. just so passionate about it too. No, <laughs> right? it is. so if you, if you get a chance, I mean, uh, we just ended up going out of um, uh, you know with a group of friends, and it w- that honestly would have been the last place I would have chosen because ignorance. Yeah. I would have been like, Santa Fe, I'm not an artist. Uh, what am I going to do? There's like, and it was fantastic. Yeah. It, it was, it was out of this world. Yeah. It's like another planet. Everyone yeah. has to go. Everyone yeah. has to go. It's awesome. really, really special. So you, so you went to school in New Mexico. Is that where you went to college? Or? Well, so no. my flight path was, um, I, I was born in Vancouver, Canada. So oh, wow. my parents oh, were wow. part of, yeah, an alternative, um, a Sufi community out there, which is kind of a mystical sect of Islam. Okay. And um, whoa, whoa, hang on. Hang on. Your dad's from Honduras and your mom is Jewish. And what? Yeah, so <laughs> I know it's just like Muslim thing. It's um, yeah. I mean, so it has this. It's um, 
<coughs> I guess the ori- origins of it are in Persia and Turkey. And um, so it was a tradition that I was just kind of raised adjacent to. But um, Sufism was popular in this tiny corner of Vancouver, Canada. And so that was where... Um, my parents were part of an intentional community of people that were exploring that and and all the all of the, that it meant. Uh, there was a, f- a philosopher who was popular at kind of the turn of the century named Gurdjieff, and um, okay. his work had very much to do with what is possible when we live in community, mm. um, and sort of when we bring out the best in each other in relationship and do work together in community. Okay, okay. So that was, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So yeah. not kind of the traditional. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, and it's hard, it's kind of hard to describe, you know, it was like, it's, it's on the heels of the new age movement. People are going out and they're just trying to, um, experiment and, and figure out how they're going to live and how they're going to live sustainably in community and do meaningful work. Okay. Uh, so it was that wave. So Vancouver, Canada, my mother was an entrepreneur. She started a health food store out there or a health food oh, restaurant, wow. which is still open really? called the NAM. Um, and then they moved to Sedona, Arizona, because my father is a painter. And so, uh, you know, most people don't know, but kind of to be an artist, if that's the way that you're going to make your living, you really have to go to artistic centers. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard to do, to just pop up anywhere. And so as an artist, he moved to Sedona, Arizona, and then we moved to Santa Fe, which, as um, you've just said, is like this this hotbed for art and for culture. For art, Yeah. That's and then amazing. I came out to Portland to go to Reed College. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. So uh, how old were you when you moved to Portland? So I was 18. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's freshman. 18. Yeah. 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 Yes. And then I was freshman. gone for after I graduated, and then I came back in 2013 to go to Pi, to Pi, Portland yeah. Incubator. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I uh, you have a great story, by the way. I am very impressed about but You were an alumni uh, board reporter. Alumni reporter? Alumni reporter. Yes. Or a reporter for National Public Radio? Am I reporting? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you report in life? Yeah. Yes. yeah. So what was what like, uh, is that like during college or no, before? Yeah. In terms of the flight path, I know it's hard to piece all the story together. So, yeah. So, I went to Reed College and I studied Russian. And then I moved to Russia and I worked for a U.S. State Department program that was bringing Russian middle schoolers over to okay. the States. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, you speak Russian? Uh, poorly, but I once did. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's in amazing. Enough, yeah. Um, which pushed out all my Spanish from my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I had it was a phenomenal experience. I traveled to forty different sites throughout Russia, interviewing middle school, middle school students about why they wanted to study in America, uh-huh. and it was just like such a beautiful experience. And then came back and started to work in higher education. And long story short, mm-hmm. I ended up doing reporting, mm-hmm. um, getting really interested in journalism, and started as a print reporter for the Boston Globe. And then ended up. Um, it was around two thousand eight that, that people right, might recall the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there was a pretty extraordinary episode of This American Life um, called Giant Pool of Money by a producer and reporter out of This American Life named Alex Bloomberg. And I remember where I was, and I just heard it, and like my whole body just stopped. Mm-hmm. He was able to describe the most complicated esoteric ideas as though he was just describing it to you at a bar. And I was mm-hmm. like, whatever this is, I want to do. Okay. So I studied with Alex at Columbia Journalism School and then went on to report for Planet Money York. and Marketplace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, but so, so by then you have moved back east. and Yeah. 
Exactly. Okay. Wow. It's so hard that, to keep track. Yeah, I know. That's quite a journey. <laughs> Vancouver, like New Mexico, Vancouver. It. Yes, it yeah. only gets more complicated. There's <laughs> yeah, from there. Well, fascinating uh, already. Uh, but uh, let's get into like you went to school. Like, how do you visualize yourself like going through school, wanting like to do whatever you wanted to? You know, like a young, uh, young professional. Professional. Mm-hmm. What do you want it back then? Um, I think that's that's also an interesting question. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that now. <laughs> so, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> because you you've been having all these experiences yeah. in your life, and then mm-hmm. uh, I mean, not a lot of uh, young uh, entrepreneur Latinas get through that. Yeah. So uh, I can imagine like everything that is going through your mind. Yeah, I know it's a good question. It's interesting when people ask me to speak about how I am as a professional. It's totally indistinguishable from how I am as a person. Mm-hmm. So I don't think of my life, it's hard to bifurcate it. Mm -hmm. So I would say that if I think back to your question of who I am as a person, I'm really interested in being in relationship and in growing Mm -hmm. and in serving. And so I just follow opportunities that allow me to do that in deeper ways and more interesting ways. Ooh, I like that. Yes. And so um, it's the same theory of change. Like it's the same impulse is like to to grow as a person, to learn more, to be in community, to be in relationship, to go deeper, to solve problems. Mm-hmm. That's a common thread that's through all of my work. Mm-hmm. And then like the way that that manifests mm-hmm. has manifested everything from me being a food reporter to living in Russia to being a calligrapher to being an entrepreneur. Um, so I'm just constantly sort of following the thread of where I'm going next. Where can you insert yeah. yourself yeah. and yeah, yeah. And solve that problem? And like bring bring myself, knowing that that's what I bring, like bring my spell, myself into those spaces. Okay. So I would never in a million years like selectively choose to be a tech entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. even in this environment it's probably like the last thing I would ever want to (laughs) do in many ways Um, but it was very much in service to seeing a problem and recognizing that the solution was being in relationship being in community finding Mm -hmm. ways to serve each other and figuring out a better way to do that and that's what gave birth to my tech product Um, but it was serving larger values and is serving larger values and and when do you realize because you were uh, back east when do you realize uh, that was your calling and I want to you know found this um, well not particularly found a a tech company but solve that problem do you have like a moment of revelation or just like you know I mean, as with all of these things, it happens based on the people that arrive as your helpers, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, if you don't have the right helpers, the thing doesn't happen. So, this was in 2012. I kind of saw this need for students and alumni at Reed, which was, I was on the alumni board. Uh, You saw all these students that were graduating without opportunities to grow as people. You know, Mm -hmm. they were stuck in jobs they were unhappy in. Then you saw all these alumni, like me, who, you know, had jobs at NPR and were willing to help them. And I looked under the hood and inside of higher education, the career services and alumni affairs office is very siloed. And so the thinking was if you build a bridge between the two, you can leverage the economy of scale with the Mm -hmm. alumni network and help students. I mean, it's so obvious to anyone who hears it. 
Um, so I put out a tweet on Twitter and I said, hey, I'm, you know, this is a weird question, but I'm looking for a developer. I had this thing in my mind that I could see, but I wasn't an engineer. And my co-founder, Sean Lerner, responded to that tweet and I'd never met him before. He oh went to gosh. read. <clears throat> Were you here already? Or? I was in Florence, Italy, if you can believe in it. Florence, yeah. Italy. Yeah. <laughs> You're tweeting. <laughs> I was um, awesome. living there for the year. My husband's a Renaissance historian. And so I tweeted and... Um, Sean got back and said, hey, I have a picture of Sangria and nothing to do tonight. We'd never met before. He was yeah. a Reed alumnus. And uh, he started working that night, and we've been working together ever since oh, wow. for over six years. That is amazing. So, so that's how you met your co-founder. So, that was one of the questions. Okay, yeah. Like, okay. So in answer to the question of, like, you, how did yeah. I know? Like, if I had put that tweet out and someone didn't respond with the generosity of spirit and eagerness to collaborate... Like, I wouldn't be a tech entrepreneur, you know. Oh, wow. And so, everything happens for a reason, I so believe, true. right? It's just like you meet the right people at the right time. No matter where you are, you're just like, okay, so how come I met this person online? And what were the questions that you're like for, the, for everybody that is listening to? Like, how do you know that that's the person that you want to work with? Because, I mean, this is a, this is a commitment. And you just made it on a tweet. You exactly. Know, you've never seen this person yeah. before, had no background. Exactly. That is, that is amazing. But like you said, I mean, just the willingness for a person to start cranking out code, that speaks of like, you know, this person is a doer. Yeah, he's yeah. Um, yeah. one of the most remarkable people I've ever met. I mean, I think a lot of it is two things. It's, it's again, that being in relationship piece. So it's someone that's coming with a really open heart to say, I'm here to help you and I'm here to support, um, mm -hmm. to co-create something with you. And then I think the other thing that, in answer to your question, that's um, probably the thing that we're all just going to have to get over is trusting your intuition. Yeah. yeah. And that's mm -hmm. something that if you ask um you know there's such a there's such a toxic culture right now of proof and just like and you need the spreadsheet and you need the deck and you need the one pager and you mm -hmm. need the executive summary and i need to see that five people believe in you and it's interesting because i think you're hearing more and more like vcs making decisions about their intuition and i really mm -hmm. want that conversation to start happening with founders yeah where they trust their intuition yeah. and say like, oh, this isn't the right investor for me or this mentor is not serving me or right. my solution is actually not right for this space mm -hmm. or I need to go in a different direction and forge my own path. And so our ability to create safe space for founders to listen to their intuition is so important because, um, you know, the entire VC system is based on like that gut feeling that yeah. the investor has. But why don't we talk more about the gut feelings that we have of, as founders? Of founders. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. But that's a good analogy. I don't know. Do you have the experience of like where you've had an intuition and then, you know, your voice voice creeps in and starts to question it and Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I read about something <clears throat> recently about this imposter syndrome. Yeah. That could set in. I was like, well, you know, self-doubt. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, am I on the right path? Am I qualified to do this? Well, so you, you yourself start, you know, thinking, you know, creating that mental roadblock. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's born out of not being very attuned to our own voice. Yeah. And then listening to it. To, to, yeah, exactly. To make decisions based on our, on our intuition. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned something uh, really interesting uh, that, that you said um, 
uh, I'm just living and then where life has taken me and the, the people that I'm meeting is the one, the people that is helping me to be successful. And it's true because everybody thinks that uh, a successful means like that line of like mm-hmm. going up, yeah. you know, but like in reality, it's just like going up, up and down. down, up and down, meeting the right, right people, yeah. that the, the right uh, mentors in your life. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Totally. Oh my <laughs> yes. gosh. To anyone who's had that type of trajectory, I don't even know what that's like. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of it is like, um, I found, you know, kind of... My liberal arts education at Reed has been such a gift and, you know, just thinking about like the Hegelian dialectic of things, you know, the pendulum swings in one direction really hard. It goes in the other direction and then we find balance in the equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And so much of that when you use that to think about the way we build product, the way we build teams, Mm -hmm. what we're going through in our country, it's like you have to kind of explore both ends of the edges Mm -hmm. to find the consensus of where Where you should be. The balance feels, you know, and so... Then that in that thrust back and forth, it feels so you know wobbly and shaky. And, and then a lot of these success stories that we've been having for all this year, like I'm been learning that everybody that has been successful is because they're themselves. Oh, they yeah. put yeah. This, themselves in, into a position that they want to. They yes, they want to create um, something big because. It's a need, mm-hmm. and uh, they're thinking about others. They're thinking about, okay, we have a need. Let's How can I resolve. solve a problem exactly. for other people? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're seeing that with Alexandria Horacio Cortez and her. Yes. I mean, like her Instagram feed, have, the Instagram stories. Have you been following? Yes. And her, <laughs> I mean, her energy is just amazing. It is beyond. beyond. It is like. I mean, I, I just saw you know she you know going after the haters and but and on a very eloquent, classy way. It's like you look. I'm not going to go down to that level. It's like. Wow, we need more people like that. Oh my gosh! Young, uh, inspiring. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys also. Uh, he's not Hispanic, but Beto. O'Rourke. Yes, totally. That authenticity. Like yeah, the authenticity, but also, I mean, he, you know, the charisma, and you know, that aura of like, okay, this is a good person. Totally. So, you know, hopefully she's, we can get more more people like them. And so unashamed, you know, and oh, like yeah. <laughs> she's like on her Instagram stories, like making mac and cheese, and then she's been doing all this Instagram living of like her orientation process in the house. So being like, guys, here are the snacks. Now we're walking down the hall. Okay, this is this like secret portal. And then like, here's my special binder. And like, now I'm reading over my, I mean, no one has ever seen that yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's, it, you know, it's, it's bringing, you know, that, Part of what at some point it used to be secretive. Yeah. You know, what goes behind those those doors that now we get to see. Well, thanks to technology and someone with the with the ability to do that. And to your point earlier about using our voice, like she's mm-hmm. figured out a way to use her own voice and use technology, but really is a way to communicate yeah, her point happened. of view in such a special way. Yeah. So hopefully we can get more people to uh, to do that and more platforms like the ones that we're creating. Mm, totally. I mean, we, you know, uh, recently in our, in our company, Clicka, we've not pivoted from, from what we do, the transactional side, mm-hmm. which was helping, you know, the, uh, solve the uh, problem for immigrants to be able to send money for free back home informal payment but now with um with our large following we're like wow we have this responsibility Mm -hmm. but now we have the tool to communicate certain messages to our like hey you know uh, this is happening in our community so things away from just the the business side like well let's use it for the common good 
Oh, it's so great. I hear. So tell me more about that because I've been, you know, my passion is working with underrepresented founders and women. And what I see is more and more they're recognizing that the market opportunity is actually like in community and in service and in their following and their followers. And like tech is kind of, I don't want to say tech secondary, but it's like pair, it's it's as important as. It is because, you know, um, number one, as as Latinos, you know, and actually just before coming here, you know, we're working on a big project for. Um, uh, some celebrities in, in, in L.A. And I was just reading an, uh, uh, an editorial on Ad Age mm-hmm. about the Latino purchasing power and how much, um, you know, we as Latinos, Hispanics and, and, or Latinos, however we want to call it, in the U.S., were the largest consumptions per capita of media mm-hmm. in general. We're number one in traditional media, digital media, and by a long stretch. So it's not even, com- it's not even close. Wow. So, you know, we're one of the um, most, uh, you know, once we engage with a brand, we're the most loyal. Mm. So, you know, mm. we'll pretty much have yes. all the traits that any company wants to see in a customer. You're loyal as long as you don't screw me. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm going to be here, you know, I'm going to be with you forever. Interesting. That's fascinating because you see that play out. I mean, I'm just thinking about like, I remember Selena you know, mm-hmm. like even in the in the music industry, yeah. like the following that musical artists have in the Spanish speaking community, oh, it's, 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 it's yeah. incredible. It's like yeah. next level. And yeah. if you apply that yeah. to everything else, yeah. so that's what we're doing. You know, we're working with these celebrities and so like, okay, you know, how can you use your voice, your followers, not only to sell your music, to them, but you know, and a lot of them are empathic to what's happening. All yeah. of them are like, I want to help. How? So we're building those platforms for them. Like, look, besides you making. Your business, which is singing and concerts and all that, let's use that platform to educate, to you know, get, get the vote out, you know, get some yes. message about mm-hmm. unity. Number one, yeah. mm-hmm. inspiration. Yes. We can do it. We're all in this together, and also a call to action. Yeah. Whether it's you know, vote, register to vote. We know there's a lot of you that can't vote. That mean that doesn't mean that you cannot participate. Yeah. You can participate, and you can do a lot. So how can we use that, you know, that, that that communication tool to amplify our our message? Oh, that's so cool. That's yeah. so and, cool. I, and I believe that there is like going back to the part of like being unique and then being uh, yourself and then uh, loyal to what you do and what you love doing and loving your community. Mm-hmm. So that's what it makes you uh, separate from everybody else. Like if you are in any industry. Yeah. So what it makes you unique from everybody else is like the way that you're doing, the, the way that you're growing your your uh, business and uh, or your product and, and telling the and telling the story that is behind you, why you're doing this, why are you creating this product, why are you uh, doing this service? So that's yeah, is, and, that's and Mara is amazing at that. I know. <laughs> I've, I've seen it several <laughs> times. So like creating that, you know, that storytelling, that portion. Yes. I mean, that that's something that you excel at. I don't know if somebody has told you that. Oh, I'm sure. That's kind yeah. of you. Thank you. <laughs> so, it's a journey. Yeah, um, there's so many stories yeah. out there. <laughs> I mean, again, the story is awesome, and we don't have a lot of time to stay here, but um, I know that um, Switchboard, uh, can you tell us a a little bit uh, when uh, Switchboard started? 
Yep. So in 2012, after that tweet, um, Sean built the platform and we built it together for about a year. And then we got accepted to Pi, Portland Incubator Experiment, which is part of Wyden and Kennedy, was then part of Wyden and Kennedy. So Uh it was a phenomenal program. I was just at the happy hour last night, um, the Pi family happy hour, which is just really, really special still for a special, special community to me. And so, yeah, we grew our company there, and we started there, and then we started to get clients from all over the world. We were focusing on higher education. But what is it? But, uh, I mean, you went through the experiment. You went through the the whole... what do you do? Like it was like a startup. Oh yeah, it's like an accelerator. It's okay, an incubator. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. What was that for you? Like you started uh, with this like incubator, and then you start seeing these people to start like helping or like what? What was that experience for you? Yeah, well, Rick Tarosi, who started Pi, is um, you know shout God, out to Rick. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's impossible almost to do anything in this town without, without shouting yeah. out to Rick. And I hope that that legacy is somehow captured because I mean he's made this whole community possible. So he started Pi, and so, you know, Rick um, had this vision. He believes more deeply than anyone I've ever met in community and relationships and people helping one another mm-hmm. and the power of connections. So, you know, there were the obvious things that we got. We got investment from Wyden and um, access to their incredible talent of people who were helping us with marketing and positioning and branding. And then Rick had this kind of um, mythical database of 200 mentors that were willing to help. And so I made it my goal to meet with almost every one of them and just to figure out, you know, what was their path? What could I learn from? And so the mentorship network was pretty priceless. So so that that, that was part of my my follow-up question. Did you guys raise some money? Well, so some, uh, you know, through Wyden Kennedy, through the incubator, you were one of the first ones to raise uh, Latino women to to make a significant advance in, in raising capital here in Portland. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we've raised money and it's been the craziest journey. <laughs> um, you know, the thing that's so hard about venture capital, first of all, people have to know that like venture capital is like 0.1% of funding out there. So while it's the loudest story in the room, yeah. so many other types of funding exist out there um, through through um, crowdfunding, through individuals coming in, through angels. And, and so it's been really interesting for me to just learn about all of the alternative financing that exists. But we did raise money. Um, we were very lucky to raise it with really aligned investors because obviously we're not going to have like this hockey stick company mm-hmm. because we're working in a social good space. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, I could probably talk for an hour about fundraising, but I think, you know, we have to figure out new ways. Yes. Venture capital just doesn't serve. And the reason it doesn't serve even, you know, I'm I'm so fortunate and blessed to be in the position that I'm in. And, you know, what we know about women founders is so venture capital is based on your ability to raise successive rounds. So mm-hmm. you get seed, then you get A, then you get B, B then you C. get C. And so your trajectory as a company it needs to hit an inflection point where you exit or you IPO, mm-hmm. which requires these series of rounds. And what many people don't understand is the vast majority of women that get seed don't go on to get series A. Okay. So it's like you cripple yourself mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. your ability. You're, you like get on a train and then you quickly realize that the train is not going to continue moving forward mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. while you may have been lucky for that initial t- 
tranche, you're probably growing your business in a way that doesn't make any sense to traditional VCs. It's not going fast enough. You might have a blended software and services model as we do, and that's like kryptonite. Mm -hmm. And so while it is exhilarating and so amazing and it allows for so much possibility to get those checks um, in the bank, you are able to hire incredible talent and great teams and bring jobs to the region and grow your product and grow your customer brace and experiment and learn things. At the end of the day, like you are, you know, it's not a sustainable model for for VC. Yeah. And it's also, frankly, it just perpetuates um, wealth inequality because you're making white men rich. (laughs) And so, you know, it's great to see funds like Arlen and and Backstage Capital. But at the end of the day, what's so complicated about this model is that if by some miracle moonshot you make it to that B or C or Mm -hmm. D round, if you look at the cap table, it's like, um, I don't know what the statistics are um, from a minority standpoint, but someone recently did a study and only 9% of women investors are on the cap ta- are on cap tables. Oh, wow. So okay. you're making, right, it's 91% men, men that are getting the payout mm-hmm. of the sweat of, of your the, brow. Everybody else. Yeah. Everybody else. <laughs> yeah, so ultimately you say, end up working yeah. for somebody else where you initially as a founder didn't want to. Exactly. And so now you're yeah. kind of, when you follow them, you know, as an economic reporter, when I follow the money backwards to how that all trickled down, mm-hmm. And then it means we're just, we've actually contributed to this cycle, Yeah, you know, despite our best interest to want to make a difference. So I think we're just going to have to have a reckoning about being really honest in what it means to take those sources of capital because we're participating in, you know, what you see with SoftBank and Saudi Arabia, like we're participating in systems so, so big. Mm -hmm. And and that's why, uh, that's where Zebras United came about. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I do believe that um, for for being able uh, to be ready for this opportunity, it's like a, we as a women, we need to know because I, I, I believe that women, we, we're ready and then we don't feel ready. Mm-hmm. And then men are different. Men are just like, they're not ready. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready for any opportunity for, for women uh, to feel empowered by other women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very... Um, um, uh, it's a it's a key for to taking that next step. Uh, somebody that is doing what I want to do in the future, or mm-hmm. someone that is taking an initiative to create a, a platform or something like that is is uh, for for me especially like uh, I want to I want to see how things. I'm very visual and and I love seeing things how things work for me to be able to to feel like okay I can go the next step. Uh, I don't know why I'm that way, but um, it makes so much sense. Yeah, in not in everything, of course, but uh, especially uh, here in the in the United States. I don't know why. It's, for me, as a Latina, uh, that's how I feel. So it's good to have a. a good connections like uh, yourself like mm-hmm. right here like uh, th- they can speak off like uh, this is how I did it and then it, it takes time and it, and it takes um, courage and because it didn't happen like then you call someone and it didn't happen tomorrow right so you had to put your time your hard work for you to be able to be where you are right now Yes. Yeah. And I would say the women thing, it's, um, I helped to start this uh, entrepreneurship program and fund called Accelerate Fund. 
and it's for Oregon women entrepreneurs. We have 50 that will have gone through the program, and we're going to open up applications in January, um, hopefully knock on wood. So if folks are interested, I hope that you'll look into it and apply. But um, It's Double Lakes Accelerator. Yeah, two yeah, Double Lakes I believe we have. I think it's com, actually. No, it's .com. Um, but, you know, they say, it's a really interesting point that you bring up because they say that women are funded on proof and men are funded on promise. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing out that hypothesis, and I don't even think women are funded on proof anymore. Because the what I've seen is that the goalpost <clears throat> just keeps moving. I would say this, you know, mm. like, they're like, okay, well, we just need to see this. But you can say that forever like yeah. oh we did okay so could you just but what we could we just talk to a for, former customers and okay we're just going to need to see another quarter and do you think you I, could i can echo that i'm not a woman but i, I right yeah yeah What's here your experience and, uh, been? like so at, at some point you're like okay i'm, I'm, I'm done right you, i can't, can't be playing these games yeah and i think the proof game is actually killing killing underrepresented founders mm-hmm. right now so um if there's anything i can say out there for founders that are listening Take 10 or 15 minutes and sit down and think of all of the things that you did as a result of making choices because you were told to prove something. And ask yourself if that's actually your intuition of how you mm-hmm. wanted to grow your business. Yeah. And really reconsider if it's not because you kind of blindly take this advice because you're like, oh, of course they yeah. know best. I'm yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. it. And then that moves you away from these paths that you your actually original know. Path, yeah. Exactly. To be better. So the proof path to me is the thing that I've just been wanting to speak out a lot about lately because it's, um, I almost feel like it's a different form of oppressive slavery because you're now cramming your business into these models, like into these old hyper growth models mm. or patriarchal models or, you know, they're models that we we're trying to get away from to begin with. Yeah. And now we're given advice to, to re-architect those. Like I call it with, with found, women founders, like pink wash, you know, just like pink wash, just have a, a woman founded Facebook or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 we're going to be building things like that are fundamental different yeah yeah and that's where and, and that's part of the zebras united yeah. movement yeah can, can you tell us a little bit about so zebras unite yeah. was started um it was a, a fa- there are three other founders and e williams astrid schultz and um jen brandell and i we wrote uh jen and i wrote a piece two years ago that was this kind of um saucy play on words and it was called sex and startups and the first line of it was <laughs> startups <laughs> like the male anatomy are designed for liquidity events oh gosh i know yeah <laughs> love um, but it Love turns it. out it's just phenomenal mm-hmm. clickbait. And um, but what we posited essentially was like the vernacular of the startup world, mm-hmm. like up and to the right, seed funding, exit, right? Yeah, all of that oh, is like you. Another uh, thing, yeah, yeah. And it, and I think it metaphorically speaks to what we were <laughs> investing in values we're investing in, right? And so we we were arguing is like, mm-hmm. is there not a marriage here mm-hmm. of values? Can something instead of being disruptive, can it repair? Instead of being competitive, can it be collaborative and cooperative? Instead of being kind Mm -hmm. of um, this winner, hyper competitive. Exactly, it's like it's it's all or nothing. I'm the the best. You're not. So like, yeah, can can we make an ecosystem rather than one company? How can we be stronger together? And so we were seeing all of these companies that, um, you know, traditionally don't get VC that are at this intersection. They usually come from the community. 
they're solving problems because they've seen it and um, they're at this intersection of for profit and for purpose where like literally a corporate structure does not mm-hmm. exist to accommodate their values Okay. so we wrote this piece called Zebras Fix What Unicorns Break which if you all google it you can find it and there we kind of put this chart that talks about these these different values between unicorns and zebras mm-hmm. and we heard from 4,000 founders and funders oh, wow. and they were like this is exactly the thing that I'm struggling with. And so we held a conference last year called DazzleCon. A group of zebras is called a Dazzle. Um, and now it's an international movement that has 20 chapters around the world. Wow. <laughs> and we've partnered with um, the Institute for the Future, which is a very old, uh, it's a respected think tank in Palo Alto that designs more equi- equitable futures. And uh-huh. so the zebras movement is now a part of um, Institute for the Future. And so we're now kind of, we just had our our board meeting last year, last month, and we're growing the movement. I mean, we just can't even keep mm-hmm. up with the demand at this point. That's oh, wow. amazing. That's, that's so, pretty that's, cool. Yeah. Congratulations. I, I'm a member, by the way. <laughs> yes, <this>. yes. I'm <laughs> so <laughs> glad. And yeah, everyone, if you go to zebrasunite.com, you can um, join the online community it's and get free. support. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. and, and to me, it's been... Um, also, you know, when, when you know, at some point we we stop looking for funding because we realize, like, like you said, you know, it's th- th- this is just a kind of like a game, like oh yeah, come back and next year we'll come back oh, here. Here I, I show you that oh well we need a little bit more. Like you know what, what are, what are we doing? Are we working for you? Or are we working with this? You know, uh, like you said, our goals. So we stop that. Like well, we got to look for alternative methods for funding. And one of them like well, how about building a business? Imagine, right? <laughs> you imagine that. I was like, oh, shit. Like, we, we should be looking out for revenue w- through customers and not through VCs and diluting ourselves. And that's that's when we joined Zebras earlier, um, not late last year. And we're looking at the, the manifest. I'm like, huh, that's that's true. We had forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. We totally forgot about who we who we were because we had that sense. like, well, you're going to raise more capital. We need more money to, uh, you know. Keep growing and and just uh, just you know put the rocket boosters, and then like well yeah why don't why don't we build up a, a platform of collaboration? Why don't we do this? What we have we share with you, we make money, you make money, everybody makes money. Yep. A little yes. bit at a time, and we all grow together. Totally. Yeah. And you were at Black and Brown Founders, yes. right? Yeah. And yeah. so, and that's the Ania's premise around Black and Brown Founders is like, if Black and Latinx founders are never going to see a dollar of VC, yeah. then how do you design a profitable business, business yeah. that actually addresses the wealth inequality and exactly a hundred percent? Yeah, and, and and it was fascinating. I mean, that that conference, you know, was fascinating because you know, for for the first time, we see a conference where. Two groups of a diverse, but you would, would usually don't commingle for whatever reasons. We we don't band together. But like, hey, this is fantastic because united we grow faster. Oh, so much! It was so energizing every time yeah. we go to that conference. So uh, out of that, you know, there's a couple of good things that you know come out. You know, we're working with Capital Capital. Oh, great! Uh, they've been also very supportive in the underrepresented uh, world. So we're pretty happy that you know they made some good connections and you know with Arlan at Backstage Capital, which is like uh, now a rock star. Yep. But it's a fantastic person. And it feels like a family, doesn't it? Like it I does. feel like that event feels yeah. like a family reunion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so special. People, everyone is just there about lifting each other up. Yeah, and, and they are. It's not just lip service, which is what, what, what I really like. You know, they, they were really like, what do you need? Yep. How can we help? And, you know, if you ask, they'll do. So uh, we're very proud to 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 be there. That's, we're so blessed to be and, there. Um, listening in, uh, to your conversation is like, it's amazing to hear 
two um, startups right here, just yeah. talking the same language, and it's amazing. I work for Hispanic Chamber, yeah. and I work with a lot of businesses. And then uh, I see like people that are starting their business, they're very established, or people that want to take their business to the next level. And uh, this, what you're talking about, is what we need. Mm-hmm. We need uh, to get this word out there to, for them to, to be able to understand that unified, like the, mm-hmm. the united, uh, we work best and then we grow best. Yeah. Um, but, okay, timing. Yeah, <laughs> timing. I want to know more about Switchboard. I want to know about this platform mm-hmm. and uh, it started in 2013. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about uh, what Switchboard is? Sure. Um, so, it, for folks that want to just see one, if you Google PDX Startups, it's, you can see the Portland Startup Switchboard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ideas, honestly, to be very frank with you, are based on principles that you find in a, in a lot of um, and a lot of spiritual practices and religions. And so it's this notion of how do you create some spaces for generosity and kindness and being mm-hmm. in relationship and reciprocity. So what that looks like in practice is you have to build a tech product that enables that that sentiment to be unleashed. And so two verbs that do that historically because we're tribal people is ask and offer, right? That's mm-hmm. what we're talking yeah. about. Being in relationship mm-hmm. is asking for what you need to what Edgar just said. Um, I ask and they show up. Mm-hmm. And then being able to offer what you have. So that's yeah. what Switchboard is. It's a platform that has... Um, two functions of ask and offer and then you you put it in the hands of really beautiful communities whether it's higher education or farmers we work with the um, federal public defender's office in Oregon because what you find is that ex-offenders coming out of the criminal justice system if they have access to community mentors Mm -hmm. and support they're less likely to re-enter the criminal justice system so they're asking for and offering you know they're looking for coats they're looking for mentors they're looking for a pair of shoes when they yeah. show up ahead of their parole meeting, which can actually make the difference in them getting out or not. Oh, wow. okay. um, we work with startup communities. Uh, we work with communities of faith and nonprofits. And so um, we launched it as a software product, thinking mm-hmm. like this will be very straightforward and easy. And it's kind of crazy to have to say this, but people need to be trained in how to listen. Yes. So switchboard, um, you know, when you think of a switchboard, it's we call it switchboard because there's a human operator. Like there's someone who's a human that is taking it upon themselves to be the servant okay, and to make sure that people get what they need. Otherwise, people don't feel heard and helped and healed. So it's an actual voice. It's well, okay. it's like um, it's making sure that like a Rick Tarosi is yeah. behind the board who's like, oh, Edgar, you need, you know, support around finding an iOS developer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of built a services arm on top of that and we're teaching people how to be stewards and how to be stewards of their community and listen. Mm -hmm. And so the switchboard golden rule is a resource on every ask or a thank you on every offer. And so in order for these systems of generosity to work, we need to be held accountable and people need Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're showing up. And that's really what's missing from Facebook spaces and others, right, is that you don't have the sense of accountability and stewardship and community and really showing up for people. If you're not present. Yeah. Yeah. And that presence and listening is, um, it's kind of a, a whole separate conversation, but it's a skill and an art. It's not, we think we have like ears on our head, so that means that we can listen. Well, but there's yes, a lot of noise. Exactly. There's a lot of visual noise. Oh, there's so much noise, and how can you pay attention? And really, and, and no, I know we've seen it. We, we put out a lot of uh, content online, and you know, the information is right there, rich with yeah. bullet points, and still people miss it. 
And uh, and is I think is uh, uh, how we are growing up. Like uh, mm-hmm. we are growing up, or like a, a really busy, uh, fast pace. Like I have to do this. I have to. Oh, I have yeah. to go home, and I have to like send an email. I have to. And I have to get my kids. I blah, blah, blah. and then and then at the end of the day, it's just like you're talking to somebody. It's just like you got like. Probably twenty percent of what of that what person, happened in the day. yeah, <laughs> that, what that person is telling you, and uh, that's to me. I'm learning to mm-hmm. listen to people because I'm always like uh, thinking ahead of what I'm going to ask, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to show myself, yeah. and it's just like I'm not in the moment, but uh, I'm learning, and this is so such a. Uh, reminder for me mm-hmm. and then for everybody that is listening uh, to think of like how to listen to the person that you're sitting down and especially when mm-hmm. you, when you're like uh, having a business or like just relax and and, and take, take the ride yeah. yeah yes how have you have you found any anything that's helped you to do that better just remind myself mm-hmm. like okay I'm in the moment and I need to focus. listen. I need to focus. Yeah, be so because, present. Mm-hmm, I I get to think of so many things, and and not be there. Yeah. So uh, and oh, especially yeah. right now that uh, I'm working. Before I used to work for Nike. So Nike's all was like fast pace, and then thinking in the future, thinking six months mm-hmm. ahead. So that my my uh, personality and my my mind is always thinking ahead. Always, I'm not in the moment. Yeah. yeah. So it, I mean, it's not bad because I'm always planning, but just to be with someone that uh, is telling you a story or is telling you mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. It's and just, just like, like Mara said, there's moments where you actually have to be in tune of what's been said. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or you're gonna miss uh, you're gonna miss the entire concept. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yes. what you're saying is you know, the whole industry is built on this word of innovation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is what you're talking about. It's like future, future, future. Is that you know, the root is like new, the future, right? Yeah. And I've been really challenging myself to say imagination instead. Um, you know, Love so it. what is it like as yeah. you're talking, I'm just like imagining I'm imagining you being a great listener and like mm-hmm. I'm trying to get on your wavelength and your level mm-hmm. to see what you're seeing to, as you're describing. Yes. And that brings us into the present in such a different way than like the innovation mindset, which is yeah. like, oh, we're always gonna yes. keep going higher and above the present because it's this like aspirational reach. Which actually misses the connection. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we can stay here and talk about this With like Mara. the whole yeah. day. <laughs> With Mara. But oh, time is up. Yeah, time is up. Uh, Mara, thank you so much for uh, yeah, being with for us. Coming. And we would love to uh, be in, connected with you Absolutely. and then take you for a coffee another day. And, oh, um, or beer. Yes. Uh, yeah, or be here <laughs> and talk more about what you do. Uh, I work with uh, Hispanic Chamber and then I work with a lot of women, Latino entrepreneur women that uh, wants to have like a mentor or leader oh, or yeah. somebody to talk to, have a coffee. Uh, we would love to have you maybe in the future uh, as a speaker will you agree with that absolutely thank you so much for being here today and um, good luck with everything thank you and thanks for being you know a leader in the community oh my gosh thank the two of you it's so important to get such a diversity of voices so I'm so so grateful for the both of you thank Thank you so much thank you Claudia happy Friday everybody happy Friday happy Friday Alan thank you so much for our wonderful engineer thank you great show thank you support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionist at Ruby they've mastered the art of turning 
ranks into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if, they, as if they were right there in your office. Ruby receptionists making small business dreams come true. One call at a time. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code startup ruby. Tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast with your hosts, Edgar Navas, founder of Clica, and Claudia Cardenas. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin McLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero.